Heads, welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Follow me on Twitter at MikeFChen. Follow the show site as well over there at Big Ten MM. It is Wednesday, April 29th, 2020, and another big recruiting day for the Big Ten yesterday. As It's not as heavy as it was <laughs> on Tuesday because it's not all about offensive linemen today. But there were still plenty of commitments inside the Big Ten. We'll start off with the Fighting Illini. They are getting transfer wide receiver Brian Hightower from Miami at 6'3", 210 pounds. Hightower is an imposing body. That is for damn sure. But what is not for sure is the ability that Hightower has to perform at a high level. Really didn't contribute much while he was at the U. And that is something that, Again, Lovey Smith has done very, very well. He's done a fantastic job on the transfer trail. When you look at the hits, I would say Owolibitiku, definitely a hit, although injuries slowed him down last year. Brandon Peters, a hit. Uh, unfortunately for Luke Ford, I think he's going to be a hit. We're just going to have to wait until later on this year to hopefully see him perform for the Fighting Illini. As I think the NCAA botched that one big time. But nevertheless, the Fighting Illini and Lovey Smith have done a fantastic job in the transfer trail. Now, what I said on Monday's podcast, they have issues on the recruiting trail. I don't think that this is something that could last very long and can sustain a program. Recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. And yes, recruiting has turned into transfer portal recruiting as well. And those players are typically more ready to make impacts, but... But it is imperative that you have recruiting classes that continue to come onto the campus, develop, get to years three and four where they are solid Big Ten players. And then you're going to have more consistent winning games at Champaign. However, Lovey Smith doesn't look at it that way. He is really going hard at the transfer portal and... I don't think that that is entirely sustainable for any program. So I think that Lovey Smith really needs to uh, take a look at what he's doing and make a potential move going a little bit harder at recruits as opposed to going hard on the transfer trail. That's just my opinion. Uh, clearly it worked for him last year, though, getting to a bowl game. But if you want consistent, sustained success you have to have a nice mixture of both. You can't just rely on graduate transfers and transfers. You have to have good recruiting classes, and that's clearly something that the Fighting Illini have been missing with Lovey Smith in that era. Moving on to Iowa, coming off of getting big offensive linemen from Illinois, David Davidkoff, they went to Kansas and got athlete Arland Bruce the fourth. 5'10", 185 pounds. Bruce is a jitterbug. He had offers from Iowa State and a bunch of non-P5 schools. A solid pickup here for Iowa. I think Iowa as a whole does very good with these type of prospects. Yes, he is viewed as, you know, not as a big-time guy because when you look at the offer list, that's not very big. Kansas, not a big football state as well for high school, but when you look at what Iowa and Kirk Ferentz is able to do, they typically take these three-star type of prospects and 
coach them up. They progress throughout their time at Iowa and ultimately end up being damn solid players. The offensive line, you could look at those guys. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, he was viewed as a three-star guy, not ranked very highly by many recruiting services, and he just went 13th in the draft. So, yeah, I think that Iowa really does a good job of that. Now, you can also look at the other way. A.J. Epinesa, the second-round draft pick who fell to the Buffalo Bills, he was a five-star coming out of high school. So it's a good mix for Kirk Ferentz, and I think Bruce the Fourth is a solid pickup for the Hawkeyes. Michigan goes into Ohio and grabs wide receiver Marcus Allen. Not related, I don't believe, to that Marcus Allen at 6'2", 190 pounds. He had offers from Purdue, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, Iowa State, Kent State. A solid list there, and I think what Michigan has been missing is going out into Ohio and getting the high-level recruits, the top, top of them. Uh, Allen's looked at as a three-star. When you look at his offer list, it's not fantastic. It's pretty solid, though. And I think that traditionally, the Wolverines have done a very good job at going out and getting those Ohio recruits and making them into players. Now, Allen's got the size. Allen's got the... Ohio, the, the non-Ohio State offer. And I think that, that sometimes really gets to some of these players. When other Big Ten schools are recruiting you and, and, and in your home state, you're not getting that offer. I think that, that can ultimately put a chip on your shoulder. We'll see how that works with Allen, but he's going up north and going into enemy territory, being an Ohioan as a Wolverine in the 2021 class. They also, the Wolverines, found out where Tarek Black is going to end up. He is going down south into the Lone Star State. Going to suit up for Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns next year as a graduate transfer. Uh, Black underperformed a little bit in his career at Michigan, but uh, when you see what uh, you know they have done, especially after this past weekend, and looking at the NFL draft. Yeah, the Wolverines probably have underperformed with the amount of talent that the NFL saw that they had. They had 10, 10 players picked, tying Ohio State with the most in the conference. And it's a little bit underachieving for the Wolverines, saying that Jim Harbaugh had all of that talent and wasn't able to win a Big Ten at any point in time have a you know a, an 11-win season, even going to the college football playoff. None of that with all that talent. So it's a it's a little bit underwhelming for the Wolverines and you know a guy like Black who I believe that if the Wolverines were winning a little bit more, I think he probably would have stayed for his final year. But nevertheless, Tarek Black moving on to Texas, another transfer for Nebraska. You're looking at quarterback Noah Vigil. He's going to be leaving. And this, to me, is a little bit interesting because I thought Fidrell, he was the guy that filled in for Adrian Martinez when he got hurt. Luke McCaffrey also played as well, which is another name that we're going to be hearing a lot of because now you're looking at Adrian Martinez, who through his first two years at Lincoln has yet to be able to stay healthy for a full year. And I think that having a backup for Scott Frost is huge. He needs to have that solid backup because – Two for two, to me, tells me that Adrian Martinez, most likely this coming year, will get hurt. It's just due to his game. 
as a dual threat quarterback, he likes to run the ball a little bit more than I think that he should. And that's why he gets banged up. That's why he gets hurt. That's why he misses games. And ultimately, the backup at Nebraska has to play a huge role on the football team. And Vigil did that role for a little bit along with McCaffrey. They kind of split time last year after Martinez went down. And I think that going forward, McCaffrey has a ton of ceiling, a ton of upside. And if Martinez gets hurt again, you're probably going to see a whole lot of Luke McCaffrey. Uh, Logan Smothers is another name on there that would potentially is going to fight for that backup job. But I'm going to guess, if I was a betting man, that Luke McCaffrey is most likely going to get that slot. Early this morning, the NCAA is definitely moving towards allowing players to cash in off of their likeness. And it looks like starting in 21-22, that school year, that they're going to be paid, be able to be paid by third-party endorsements, also through social media, personal businesses, and appearances. I love it. I think this is long overdue. The NCAA has been making millions, actually, you could probably say billions, billions and billions of dollars from these amateur athletes and I think that it's time for them to get a piece of that pie especially when you look at what the NCAA allows these young men to get through them yeah they're they're able to get food which was a turn by the NCAA previously there was a a limit on the amount that a team would be able to feed a student athlete now they're pretty much able to feed them at all times but a lot of these athletes come from lower income areas and when you look at the grand scheme of things a lot of these guys make silly decisions and move away and to the prospective NFL prospective NBA because they need to take care of their families well this is a this is gonna allow these players to do that without having to make the rash decision to go on and move to the higher levels to get paid to play. And we have seen that. And I made I made a mention of that on Monday as well, that more than 50% of the players who ended up declaring early weren't drafted in the NFL. And this is a move to make money. And if the NCAA, which they're doing now, is allowing the players to make money off of their likeness, you're not going to see as many players move on or at least try to move on to the next level when they're not ready, which means you're not going to see as much of a watered-down product in college football. And that is only a good thing for us, for the fans, for people who love college football college basketball, any collegiate sport, you're not going to get that watered down anymore. Because like I said, when you're having more than 50% of the players who elected to go early into the NFL draft and not get drafted, then you're going to see more of those players opting to stay because they're actually being able to make some money to at least support their family a little bit. Or not have to ask their family to support them until they make it to the next level and the NFL or the NBA. I love it. I've been all for this for years. I always felt that there was a way 
to somehow pay the players. I didn't think the schools should be able to do it. And this is exactly the way that it should be done. Who am I to say that if in the offseason a endorsement company says, hey, look, college football player, you're a star. I want to pay you $1,000 for three hours to sit here and sign autographs. Although, who the hell knows if that's going to happen anymore because clearly with this coronavirus, uh, the social distancing aspect of it, I don't know if those kind of things are going to return. We'll see, but that's just an example. Or say a car company wants to record a advertisement with that certain player. Why the hell not? You've got to ma- say say we're in you know just this past year, and Jonathan Taylor is still at as example. Jonathan Taylor is still in Madison, and a Madison car company says, "Hey, Jonathan." You're a big name. You're a national guy. Everybody knows you. We'd love for you to, you know, come on the dealership for a day, be able to you know, record a either a voice track or a video. We'll pay you, you know, whatever X amount of money, whatever the dealership would want to pay them, and that's it. But it has to be there has to be rules to this, and I think the biggest rule is going to be that players are unable to do these type of things during the season. I think that when you try and add all of these things on top of the academic schedule and the practice and game schedule, I think it's going to be too much for those players. I really do. So I think that's the one thing that I would be watching out for is the rules on what the NCAA is going to allow them to do this, how they're going to do this, because I love that they're allowing them to make money off of their likenesses, but I do think that they're going to have to make some priority decisions as to when and how this is going to be able to go down. I love it. I just, there's still more. There's more coming. But what the NCAA has done is made a huge step forward, and I absolutely love it. I think this is absolutely exactly how the NCAA should go about doing things. All right, let's move on to the basketball side of things. There's a couple notes as well as Indiana junior forward Justin Smith has entered the NBA draft. Uh, This is after yesterday getting the news of Trace Jackson Davis staying. I don't know if this really impacted Smith a ton. They do play a similar position, but there's plenty of room on the court for both of them to play. Uh, To me, I think that this is just Smith going out and just taking a look, just taking a gander, seeing what NBA teams are going to tell him that he needs to work on his game because I don't think he's ready. I haven't seen his name come up in any mock drafts. Trace Jackson Davis's name comes up in mock drafts, not Justin Smith. So I think that he's a guy that's clearly just going to go through the process, find out what the NBA thinks about him, be able to work on those things so that when he's a graduating senior next year, he will be able to say, hey, NBA, you told me I needed to work on this. I went back. I worked on these things. Now I'm a more draftable player. Now I'm a more of a you know free agent guy, someone who might make the G League, potentially go overseas and play, whatever it may be, that he is going to help his career by finding out what the NBA views him as. So I think it's a move 
for a good move for Smith, and I think it's a good move for the majority of players, even if you are not going to be drafted. I think that it's smart. I think it's smart to test the waters just to see where you land. They have 10 days, 10 days. That's not a long time span, 10 days before the NBA draft to withdraw their name from it. You could talk with agents. You could talk with teams. You get that feedback. We don't really have a solid date for the NBA draft right now, especially with the coronavirus going on. Uh, you can't really do any of the combine activities. You can't really do any of the team workouts, uh, the one-on-ones, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a little bit different for the NFL. They were actually able to have the NFL combine, which I believe really helped them in going forward with the draft. But the NBA, they're in a different position. Their timeline is different than the NFL. The NFL was able to get this done before these stay-at-home orders happen. And so the NBA, I think they're up, they're up in arms. Their season looks to me like it probably, I don't know if they're going to be able to finish it out, especially with how long this can stretch. Uh, initially, they were trying to, have teams return to practice facilities in states where they've had the bans uplifted. And that was going to happen on Friday. Well, they moved it back till the Friday after that, which I can see them continuing to move back and move back. I, I think that it's a little early, but nevertheless, I've gone off the rails here with that. Uh, Justin Smith <laughs> will be entering the NBA draft, but uh, like I said, I believe that he is going to come back. Nebraska has added a transfer in Trevor Lakes from Division II University of Indy. Never heard of it. Don't know too much about Division II basketball, but Lakes is a, is a decent player at 6'7", 230 pounds. He's only going to have one year left. Now, he's not considered a grad transfer, so depending on how the NCAA views this, he might be eligible immediately or he might have to sit out that season, redshirt, and be ready for the 21-22 season. So I'm not quite sure. We'll find out as the NCAA kind of goes through all that. But still a nice little addition for Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site as well at Big Ten MM. Rate us, review us, share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great hump day, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you tomorrow morning.